When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Game day on Gamecock Central Radio. Welcome in, everybody. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell looking forward to South Carolina and Akron. A strange situation here, Wes, with the Gamecocks playing a very rare home game in the month of December. Granted, December 1st, but makeup game for Hurricane Florence back in September. And uh, South Carolina's got the Akron Zips for the first time in the history of the program. Yeah, it's a, a little bit of a weird feel, I, I think, around town, around campus uh, this week. Um, you know, it's been a long time since South Carolina has uh, really played any type of post-Clemson regular season game and, uh, you know, actually been a, a really long time since South Carolina has played a, a December football game um, in the regular season as well. So a um, little bit of a strange deal. Uh, I don't think you're going to have your typical South Carolina crowd there at Williams-Brice Stadium, although they've made efforts to get as many people in the stands as possible. But, um you know, I was reading today, it's actually the first time since uh, 1990 that uh, it's been a final regular season game against a team not named Clemson, and uh, the first time since December 1987 that they've had a regular season game in the month of December. So a little bit of a weird feel, certainly, but I, uh, I was making some notes to myself about the game, and I, I said, really, uh, for South Carolina, there's three things that I, I think today's game is, a, is all about, Emerson. I think, first of all, is just take care of business, uh, business-like attitude. Don't let Akron sort of hang around at the beginning. Put them away and put yourself in a position to get the seventh win. I, I think at the end of the day, you reschedule this game to add a seventh win. Uh, the second thing is to get the seniors one last opportunity to play at Williams-Brice Stadium. Uh, that's still something, regardless of it being a weird game, a smaller crowd, that's something those guys are going to covet and cherish. And then the final thing uh, to me would be to get the young players as many reps as possible against a college opponent. We saw that against UT Chattanooga, and I think for South Carolina you want to see that again against uh, the Akron Zips. So the Gamecocks are 6-5 and five coming into today's game. Noon kickoff at Williams-Brice. Akron is 4-7 and seven west. They're in the MAC. That's a group of five conference, and Akron was 4-3 and three earlier this year, but they've dropped their last four ball games against Northern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, Bowling Green, and Ohio, all conference opponents. They finished fourth in the MAC East Division. So Akron's kind of limping into this ball game, and you know I'm, I'm curious to see how much excitement, how much enthusiasm the Gamecocks bring coming off, obviously, what is a very emotional game against Clemson, not used to being in this situation. So what do the two teams have today, Wes? Yeah, I think that's probably uh, one of the things you, you're going to probably want to pay attention to the most. Uh, you know, like I said, probably uh, – 
a less enthusiastic crowd as well. Although I, I think part of that is that the, even if it's a smaller crowd, I think the ones who are there are probably going to be your fans that really truly want to be there. So, so maybe, um, you know, maybe from a volume standpoint, as far as um, how loud it is, maybe it won't make a huge difference. But I think certainly early on, coming off the the loss last week, playing a sort of lesser opponent, uh, supposed to rain potentially as well. Hmm. How how much juice does South Carolina have? I think is a is a big question for this. Uh, but but like you said as well, how how much juice does Akron have? Is this a lot of times you'll get a uh, you know a, one of these opponents that's not an FBS school. Uh, or, or should say, not a Power Five school. Um, you know, it's it's kind of their Super Bowl, but I, I don't know if you necessarily have that this week with Akron. Uh, but but we'll see. You know, they've they've got some playmakers. They've got an all they've got an offense that's really not been that great this year. But they do have a, a dual threat quarterback who's put up some pretty good numbers. Um, you know that, that I think uh, you know at times has has been pretty good this year. Cato Nelson. Um, you know, and you've got a defense that actually. If you look at the numbers, it's sort of middle of the pack. They've given up 27 points per game, uh, right under 390 yards per game, which actually this day and age, as good as the offenses are, those numbers are actually decidedly like middle of the pack in the country. I think that points per game allowed is right at like 60th or in that neighborhood in the country. So not a terrible Akron defense, but it's not been a very good Akron offense, just 20 Point four points per game uh, scored this year. Concerns about the size of the crowd, like you mentioned, West, with this game not originally being on the Gamecock schedule. Ray Tanner and the South Carolina Athletic Department, the middle part of this week, made some tickets available for free, upper deck seats, uh, free to community groups and military in an effort to kind of you know, make the crowd bigger for all these players playing on Saturday, and particularly for the seniors who are playing their final home game. Yeah, and I, I think um, – you know, smart move by USC. I know those tickets ended up sort of being available to everybody, but I think their their heart was in the right place, and it was a smart move um, in the first place to try and do that because you do want to reward those members of the community um, by getting them into the football game, and I, I think an opportunity for them and their families to get there. And, and like you said, this is about uh, those seniors who are, are never – you know, you look at the game of football – um, not to get too deep on everybody, but w- when it's over, it's over. You know, it's not like That's basketball right. where you can pick up a basketball and go play with your friend. Um, it's not like baseball where you can go play in an old man softball league like I do. Um, it's <laughs> it's really when when football when the days are over for football, it, there's really no way to simulate it. I think so. Uh, just one more opportunity for these guys to get out there and do what they love. Um, is pretty important for for all those kids, I think. And, yeah. and then, you know, the other side is the kids who don't really get to play a whole lot, um, whether it be, you know, we saw Jason Sin, who is on one end of the spectrum as a senior. Uh, he hadn't played his entire career, and he played almost the entire game against UT Chattanooga. And then you've got these young guys who are just starting their careers, that, you know, the carry-on Joyner, uh, Deshaun Finley at running back, all these defensive guys that have just been thrown into the fire as well, um, it's really an opportunity for them to go. You know, how, how many times since Will Muschamp has arrived have we heard him say the words, it's a developmental game? Well, um, this is a developmental game on Saturday because South Carolina is going to have a chance, I'm sure they hope at least, to get a bunch of their young guys in the game. 
Wes, I was very grateful that the athletic department put out an email on Friday of this week explaining what is a zip. Do you know what a zip is? Did you know before the email came out yesterday? I can honestly say that I had no idea. <laughs> Neither did I, brother. And uh, the athletic department put what, out this email. What is a zip, by the way? The headline, the, the uh, subject line of the email is, what is a zip? So the Akron Zips are in town for the noon kickoff today, and the athletic department was uh, thoughtful enough to send out the email explaining what is a zip. In 1926, the athletic teams at Akron University – were named the Zippers after rubber boots manufactured by the B.F. Goodrich Company, which was headquartered in Akron at the time. And then in 1950, the name was shortened to Zips. So they were the Zippers in 26, and in 1950, they shortened it to the Zips. So that's where it came from. Interesting factoid, interesting note on today's game. I don't think anybody in this part of the country knew exactly what a Zip was, but now the mystery is solved. So Akron's in town for this noon kickoff. And, Wes, uh, you talked about young players getting action in the game today. And Gamecock Central sends out an email every week. Uh, take five is the subject line. And some interesting content, some interesting news in the email that the website put out this week. And Deshaun Fenwick among the you know young players to watch this week, along with uh, A.J. Turner, who has moved to defense this week. That was a very interesting development during Tuesday's midweek press conference for Will Muschamp. So plenty to keep an eye on today, even though this game you know, doesn't really jump out at you from a huge uh, name standpoint and obviously no national rankings or anything like that, but a chance to get to seven wins and perhaps more importantly, Wes, uh, a chance for the Gamecocks to play a lot of kids that have not seen a lot of time this year. Yeah, I, I, and I really thought, Emerson, that, that Fenwick uh, showed some signs against uh, Chattanooga of, of potentially being a really good football player and. You know, that's a position where South Carolina has been pretty solid but haven't necessarily had um, consistent game breakers. And I, I think that's the next step for this offense is to have a consistent performer at running back. So getting Fenwick in there, letting him play a bunch a couple of weeks ago, maybe you have that opportunity to do that again this week, I, I think would be a, a big thing for that offense and the future of it. And then, uh, you know, this, this A.J. Turner development, I know we talked about it a bit earlier in the week, but. I'm actually curious to see, uh, A, how, you know, how much does A.J. Turner actually go play, and B, how, how does he go play? I, I think you look at a kid like him, you look at the way he runs on offense, you look at his physicality on that side of the ball, you look at his physicality and ability to play in space on special teams. Um, you know, I, I'm not counting him out. I, I think he actually could go possibly excel on that side of the ball. So, uh, you know, it, it's a little bit of a – a makeshift move for right now, uh, but I also think it's a potential um, experiment for the future. Rosendo Lewis is on the list of players to watch for the Gamecocks this week as well. Wes uh, played against Clemson, but he only practiced at Sam Linebacker for one week, and that was the position he played against the Tigers last Saturday. So with all the injuries on the defensive line, Rosendo Lewis, freshman from South Florida, will be there playing on the D-line this week, and he'll be one of the keys to stopping the run. Wes, I loved his film. His high school film was really good. This guy was a wrecking ball in high school, and I was very excited when he signed with the Gamecocks last year. Yeah, they've moved him around. Uh, you know, he, he did, you know, watching rewatching that game against Clemson. They, he played a bunch at linebacker last week uh, once uh, Daniel Fennell went out and um, actually practiced uh, last week a bit at the buck, line, at the buck spot, which is, sort of the defensive end linebacker spot. And, uh, you know, I think that's where they'll have him this week because Brad Johnson um, 
he played over 90 snaps last week, which is just um, pretty much unheard of for that buck spot. You just you can, almost can't do that, I think. So they'll need to have more guys that they can rotate in there. Uh, luckily, that Sam spot and that buck spot are kind of tied together. Uh, you know, they're very similar positions. A lot of a lot of the stuff they do in practice, they're linked together as far as the way they teach the concepts. So um, he has had to move around a, quite a bit, especially for a young player. But I I think that's a good spot for him, man. And I, you know, I I'm not going to be surprised if long term he spends a lot of time at that Sam backer and Buck position there on the line. And uh, you know, this is a, another week for for him and, and Ernest Jones, someone who I. I think you saw some good things from against UT Chattanooga. Got a bunch of playing time against Clemson. Um, those are two young guys that are going to have a future in the linebacking position and that uh, need to sort of take advantage of these opportunities that they've had the last few weeks. So, Wes, some other key players for the Gamecocks this week. Brad Johnson out of Pendleton, a defensive end who played significant snaps. He was on the field virtually the entire game against Clemson for that Gamecock defense that got gashed, you know, gave up a school record 700-plus yards. And I wanted to get you to talk about Brad Johnson a little bit. Yeah, and uh, like you said, had had to play so many snaps against Clemson. Uh, you never want for a guy who's lining up at a, at a position near the line of scrimmage to have to do that. And You know, I think that's part of the reason you're going to see more Rosendo Lewis there this week. But, um, you know, Brad hung in there. I, I think he's still a bit – a little bit undersized for that spot. He's more of a pass rush guy as opposed to a run stopper, but he's had to sort of um, adjust and, and play a bunch, uh, not just against Clemson, but the last couple weeks uh, because of the injuries at that position. I mean, you're really talking about a spot where, um, you know, I mentioned uh, Daniel Fennell, but uh, Bryce Allen Williams um, has been at that spot when he was healthy. DJ Wanham has been at the buck spot and the defensive end spot when he was healthy. So, Really, South Carolina's depth has just been eaten away at that position. Uh, so that that's led to, to Brad having to play a, a lot more than he maybe would have otherwise. Wes, Jake Bentley's kind of been the talk of the town here last few days after his school record performance against Clemson, 510 yards passing and five TDs in that loss to the Tigers last Saturday. Wes, we did the game day podcast last Saturday, and I, I had come across in the game note South Carolina's school record for passing yards against Clemson. And it was held by Tommy Suggs. I think the year was 1970. And the, the most yards the Gamecocks had ever thrown for against Clemson, at least a, a single player had thrown for, was 316 yards. And I remember thinking uh, that that was not a huge number, particularly in today's game. Uh-huh. And Bentley went out and threw for almost 200 more than that. 510 was the total against Clemson last Saturday. And he gashed a Tiger defense that uh, really had not been scorched that way all year, not even close to it, in fact. And so this week we have, you know, reports coming out. The state newspaper ran an article this week about Bentley possibly going pro at the end of this year. And the state paper uh, referenced uh, Todd McShay, who is uh, one of ESPN's NFL draft experts, along with Mel Kuyper, Jr. And McShay was at the Carolina-Clemson game. And after the game, he said that, you know, Bentley would have a day two draft grade, which means he would go no sooner than the second round if he's drafted this year. And McShay went on to say that he thinks Bentley can be a good NFL quarterback. He thinks he could be a starter, but certainly a backup if he doesn't get the opportunity to be a starter. But he also said that Bentley would probably be best served returning for another year. So I know this is looking ahead a little bit, but this will be a major story 
as we move into the off season, you know, what Jake Bentley plans to do. Yeah, it will be. And, you know, Jake sort of, uh, he, he was asked about, you know, does he think about that right now? And he really sort of deferred away from it, as you would expect. But I think when, uh, you know, with what he also added to that was that there's still a lot that uh, he wants to accomplish at South Carolina, both personally and from a team standpoint. He, he sounded to me like a guy that uh, just reading the tea leaves is, you know, very, very excited about the, the opportunity for what this team could be and could do next year. Uh, but, you know, he, he is a quarterback. He's a, a sharp kid. He's going to, as almost all college football players in that position probably should do, he's going to look at his uh, opportunities and, and see what's out there and, and then go from there. So I tend to just, like I said, reading the tea leaves, I think Jake Bentley's back in a South Carolina uniform next year uh, and and probably going after a number of all-time career records mm. as far as South Carolina quarterbacks go. Mm-hmm. But um, – but, but, again, you, you owe it to yourself. If you're a college football player in that position, you owe it to yourself just to see uh, where you stand, you know, where do they project you and stuff like that. But I, I do think another year would probably benefit Jake Bentley quite a bit. When Bentley first came to South Carolina, there was a lot of people that felt like, you know, he was a, a three-year player and then he would go pro. There were a lot of people that – that seemed to think Bentley would go pro after three years. That talk mm-hmm. subsided during his second and most of this, his third year at South Carolina, but he's played so daggum good West the last four or five games, and particularly with that 500-yard effort against Clemson and the five touchdown passes and just the way he competed from start to finish in that game that really we've started to hear this talk again this week for the first time. So I thought that was interesting, and it'll be interesting to see what Jake Bentley does. Obviously, best-case scenario for South Carolina football is that he come back for another year because the Gamecocks, if Bentley comes back next year, you got to feel like the Gamecocks are in good shape if they can find some answers on defense next year. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of the reason you're hearing that talk now is obviously the last four or five games he's been really, really good. But, but doing it at Clemson in Death Valley, you know, and, and probably, I think, if the Florida game had not ended the way it did, uh, you know, that's something a lot of people would be talking about as well, is the fact that, um, you know, and I, I personally think he played actually really well uh, in Gainesville. So, you know, there was this sort of, uh, I guess, narrative going around about Jake Bentley against these top 25 opponents and the record there and the numbers. And, you know, a lot of people talked about the Clemson game from the past, how Jake Bentley's uh, – you know, I think his two worst games statistically previously were his two games against Clemson before this past week, obviously. So that, that was a, a popular narrative, which I think, you know, a lot of that is a bit unfair because if you just look at what he was up against in some of those games, especially early in his career, I don't know if any quarterback could have, you know, had big days. But now uh, showing that he can do it against top opponents, showing that he can do it on the road as well, is going to be big for Jake Bentley to sort of squash that. And, uh, I mean, next year you look at this schedule and there's an opportunity for Jake Bentley to really, I, I think, play his way up the draft boards. You're talking about, obviously, Clemson again. You're talking about a trip to Athens. You're talking about Alabama coming to Columbia. Um, you know, the the opener there at uh, in an NFL stadium, Bank of America. And uh, it, really an opportunity, I, I think, for Jake Bentley coming back. And also, like I said, uh, He's probably, and I don't have the records in front of me, but i got to imagine he's going to be closing in on some career passing records at South Carolina, climbing that leaderboard, 
And uh, if, if he could build off of what he has done the final four or five games of this season yep. and carry it into next year, obviously you lose Debo Samuel, but you know I, I know they hope to get Brian Edwards back. They'll have their running backs back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Van, I think, will take a step forward. Shai Smith will be a junior. The offensive line will lose a couple of guys, but you look at the young guys on the offensive line as well, there's really an opportunity for this offense to be good again. South Carolina and Akron today with West Mitchell. I'm Emerson Phillips here on the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. 17 touchdown passes and only four interceptions for Jake Bentley in the last five ball games. So he's really picked up his level of play. And the Gamecocks have played some pretty good football coming down the stretch here. South Carolina 6-5, and five, looking for its seventh win of the season. Wes, we talked earlier this week here on GCR about you know how a seventh win could improve the Gamecocks' bowl bid. So we're going to find out tomorrow exactly where the Gamecocks will go bowling. It figures to be, well, we, we don't know. It could be the Belt Bowl. That's kind of been the leading candidate, I think, the last week or so. But the Gator Bowl is still very much in the mix as well. And I know Gamecock fans would enjoy a trip to the Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville. And a seventh win is obviously going to be needed, West to get that Gator Bowl bid. So where do we stand, to, your, to the best of your knowledge, uh, you know, here 24 hours before the start of bowl season. Yeah, it's been interesting to track. And I, I think first I have to say that it is very hard because it's not like it used to be as far as the selection process goes. Uh, for that for that section of bowls or that tier of bowls, I guess is the best way to say it, the SEC is basically slotting who goes where. So the school can say, hey, we'd love to go to – you know, this bowl. Uh, the Gator Bowl can say we would love to have South Carolina, but the conference ultimately is going to slot who goes where. And, um, you know, I, I, my reporting has sort of been a bit back and forth this week on it because it's sort of jockeyed back and forth behind the scenes. The Gator Bowl has been really strong on South Carolina. They've wanted South Carolina for two years now, and they've really been, you know, they haven't hidden that fact. Uh, they've been pretty open about it. Uh, at one point, it looked like Texas A&M may be headed to the Outback Bowl, and then South Carolina would probably have then been headed to the Gator Bowl. Um, you know, full disclosure, as we're recording this on Friday afternoon, just in case something does change, I, I kind of think it's starting to settle down, honestly. I think it's settled more towards South Carolina ended up at the Belk Bowl. Um you know, and I still think that's a strong pull for the Gamecocks. They'd be against an ACC opponent. Lots of talk about Virginia possibly being the ACC pick in the Belt Bowl. Um, again, none of this stuff is completely concrete. Uh, you know, Sunday afternoon is generally when uh, it will sort of be made official. South Carolina has a press conference Sunday evening yep. uh, where they'll talk about it. But, uh, you know, those are the two bowls. And, and part of the reason it's really played out that way has been because you look at the college football playoff and you're talking about Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and LSU, four SEC teams that are going to be either among the actual playoff or of those New Year's Six, you know, New Year's Six college football playoff um, selection games. So uh, those four teams sort of all being up there has helped to slide the SEC up one spot, really, for those teams from what they would have been otherwise. Um, you know, I think, reading the tea leaves, that Kentucky seems to be headed to the Citrus Bowl. I think right now, 
probably Mississippi State to the Outback Bowl, uh, Texas A&M to the Gator Bowl, which then, of course, puts South Carolina in the Belk Bowl. You know, maybe Missouri in one of the Tennessee games, either Music City or Liberty. Right. And uh, I don't know, maybe Auburn ends up at the Texas Bowl, potentially. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, Gator Bowl, I think, still in it for South Carolina. I know they really their, – their dream scenario, I think, was South Carolina against NC State. Um, now, the way the ACC does it is that the Camping World Bowl actually has first pick after – you know, college football playoff and New Year Six and all that stuff. So Camping World, uh, and it's a true pick. It's not where the ACC slots them. Um, and really the only two schools they could take, if you look at the records, assuming NC State beats uh, East Carolina this week, would be Syracuse or NC State. And right now I think if you're them, you probably take NC State, which would take NC State obviously off the board for the Gator Bowl. Um, so maybe Miami ends up at the Gator Bowl. And, and, again, I'm just sort of spitballing with some stuff I've heard. Nothing is concrete. But as far as those two games go, top Carolina's potential opponent. And, uh, you know, Gator Bowl can actually take Big Ten or ACC. They're leaning heavily this year towards ACC. Um, you know, South Carolina's opponent, if they were to end up there, dream scenario for Gator Bowl, NC State, more likely scenario, Miami, you know, takes a short trip up to Jacksonville. And then, uh, again, Virginia just seems to be talked about a lot for the Belk Bowl. Um, obviously, though, there's probably a couple of other ACC schools that would be in the running there as well. All right. The Camping World Bowl was played in Orlando, organized by the same group that runs the Citrus Bowl. So that's what Wes was talking about there. And uh, it looks like either the Gator or the Belk, Jacksonville or Charlotte, for the Gamecocks, I think a Gator Bowl trip would be fantastic. I think the fans would like that. But Charlotte might be actually a little bit better fit, Wes. You know, shorter trip. Certainly more Gamecock fans would make the trip to Charlotte than to Jacksonville. It would probably be with, you know, an ACC opponent, like you said, which the Gamecocks have some history with. So we'll see if it's Jacksonville or Charlotte for South Carolina. We'll find out tomorrow all the bowl announcements and the college football playoff matchups announced tomorrow as well. So we're, we're ready to go here, Wes. Uh, you know, December game, home game for the Gamecocks here. We're typically seeing uh, high school football at Williams-Brice this time of year. <laughs> yeah. But the hurricane back in September has forced a South Carolina home game. And we're lucky that it's not cold this week, Wes. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if Akron's going to have any fans down here. Maybe they got some fans stopping through to watch the game on their way to Hilton Head. But, uh, you know, pretty good weather <laughs> for Carolina and Akron this week. And that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll see. And I, I think, again, I'll, I'll finish it off Emerson the way I started. Three keys for South Carolina or not even keys, three goals for South Carolina. Uh, get that seventh win, get the seniors one last chance out there, and three, uh, get those young guys as many reps as possible. So uh, we'll see what happens today, and then we'll uh, cover it all on Gamecock Central. And then, uh, hey, shameless plug, man, the next, uh, you know, next, like, three weeks is the lead-in to uh, the early signing period. So we're going to have uh, complete coverage of all that on Gamecock Central, and that's really become – basically the de facto true signing day, believe it or not. So uh, it, it's right around the corner, and we'll have complete coverage of that. 
All right, Wes, I've been to the RBC Heritage many times in Hilton Head, and every time I go to Hilton Head, there's more Ohio license plates on the cars down there than there are South Carolina tags. <laughs> so that's why I bring up Hilton Head today. Good stuff today, Wes. Looking forward to talking more Gamecock football with you. We'll have the bowl announcement tomorrow and plenty more to come this month on Gamecock Central Radio. For Wes Mitchell, I'm Emerson Phillips. This is the Gamecock Central Game Day Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the ball game, friends. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.